Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard.com Pop Shop Podcast. My name is Keith Caulfield, and I am a co-director of charts at Billboard based in Los Angeles. If you've been listening for the past few weeks, you know that my regular co-host, Jason Lipschitz, is not on the other line, normally in New York. He's still on vacation. Some would say it's a permanent vacation. (laughs) But he'll soon be back, I think even next week at the earliest, uh, in his place and has done a wonderful job, I have to say, the past few weeks under duress, is Katie Atkinson. Hello, Katie. Hi. Yeah, Keith is totally forcing me to be here. (laughs) No, actually, this has been awesome, and I like keeping Jason's seat warm until he gets back. Hey, you never know. You might get rooked into doing this every week from now on. (laughs) I don't think Jason would care for that. Oh, you never know. You never know. Um, On this week's show, we are going to discuss Ryan Adams' new Taylor Swift cover album, 1989, how Drake and Future are heading for a big number one debut with their new surprise album, plus The Weeknd replaces himself at number one on the Billboard Hot 100. We're also going to recap briefly our experience at the iHeartRadio Music Festival. Both Katie and I were there backstage and... Good Lord, we talked to so many people. Um, And in addition to all of that, we have an interview with Duran Duran. I talked to them at iHeart, and um, we played our famed, or not so famed, um, (laughs) fishbowl Q&A game. Um, It was a hoot. Um, So yeah, we've got all of that stuff. But first, before we get to that, we've got some housekeeping stuff, as we always do. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to the show on iTunes so you won't miss an episode. And give us a rating or review us while you're at it. If you have any questions, you can tweet me at, at Keith underscore Caulfield. And, of course, you can also tweet Jason, but, you know, he's not here. If you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit iTunes.com slash Billboard Podcasts. Woo, that is like the shortest preamble than ever before. I'm <laughs> you just got like it all in. Rub, I'm just barreling through this week. Um, so first thing, we're going to talk about the new Ryan Adams album, which is called 1989. You may have heard of another album called 1989 by Taylor Swift. This is not a coincidence. Not a coincidence because this album is a cover album. Uh, all the tracks from 1989 from Taylor Swift are covered uh Faithfully, I suppose. This is the word. Some of them. Some of them. By Ryan Adams. I have to say, I'm not a huge Ryan Adams aficionado, mm. but I felt that it was important that we should talk about this because, you know, it's it's really unique and interesting um, for a huge number one album to be covered by another artist in such a fashion and also have the artist Taylor Swift endorse it so wholeheartedly. Yeah. Yep. Taylor's been tweeting up a storm. Um, and so Ryan Adams' uh, 1989 album came out, um, I guess... At midnight. Midnight. Yeah, on Monday, or I guess Sunday, Sunday night. depending on how you're looking at it. So Sunday night on, the I guess, the 20th, um, I think, is the date. I could be wrong. Today's the 21st, but it was like on the cusp of between the 20th and the 21st. Right. Or I should say Monday's the 21st. Late in the evening on the 20th, or maybe midnight. Anyway, around there. <laughs> um, I, I listened to the album, and Katie listened to the album. I downloaded this album the second it was available. You're also a big Ryan Adams geek. I love Ryan Adams. I love Taylor Swift. So this is just a magical combination in my book. Hmm. And I totally understand why Taylor is endorsing it so wholeheartedly because it gives her this like, you know, this like singer songwriter who's so respected. And who she admires. And and who she totally admires. Likes her music and her lyrics enough to cover them it's like the biggest feather in her cap and she has a lot of feathers in her cap i mean it looks like it's like a janice joplin like 
boa or maybe like <laughs> like a Steven Tyler scarf yeah, she's stand. dragging a boa behind her of feathers <laughs> yes. in her cap yes there's so many feathers and so it's just like it, it just says so much about how she is as who she is rather as a songwriter and it's also interesting to me because Ryan Adams is often described as like an alt country kind of guy right that it's almost like this weird full circle moment where her music oh. is has come back to being country after, again. after she made such a big deal about how 1989 was a pop album exactly and said this is my first pop album and all of a sudden these songs have been interpreted in this you know as pseudo a country, country vein. as a country i mean you yeah. listen to it you're like oh it's like country-ish rock yes and if you look at her last album red i mean a lot of it was these kind of slower you know ballads like there were the poppy songs but then there was a lot of like really emotional confessional ballad type songs and it's like ryan adams turned 1989 into like red part two <laughs> like, it's like this is this is what 1989 could have been if it were if meant she to be were a country. still yeah identifying as country wow yes um well what are let's see what let's talk about some of our favorite songs we don't have to like spend a whole lot of time on this don't we <laughs> <laughs> don't we <laughs> the pop shop podcast is all just the ryan adams 1989 this is the the ryan adams podcast really hijacking this thing um i i have i i have i think Four, four songs that stick out to me. Three of them I, I really thought were cool. Um, I thought, and, and you know, I've listened to the Taylor Swift album, but it, I haven't listened to it, like, repeatedly, to be like perfectly honest. me. Right. <laughs> like I have. So when I listen to Ryan Adams' versions, certain songs, I'm like, oh, wow, this is really slow or different. And then I went back to the Taylor album, like, oh, my God, he, like, re-envisioned it. So, right. for example... All you had to do was stay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very night and day between the two of them. Oh yeah. And I thought, I thought his version was really cool. Yeah. I mean, they're both good, obviously. They're just totally different. Totally different. Yeah, that's definitely a place where he really reinvented it. Yeah, I mean, it's really, and I think it really works. Yeah, as, me too. Like it almost kind of works better in Let's a way. Let's not get crazy. Okay. <laughs> She's just pulled out a bat. Um, I thought his version of Shake It Off was really cool. I thought it was too. And I, I that was the one that I was most curious to hear because the lyrics are really poppy too. And they're, yeah. and they're pretty girly too. Yeah. And so to hear this like, you know, serious guy sing it. But the way he interpreted it was good. He he made it a little less silly, right. basically. Right. And um, I really liked uh, Wildest Dreams. Mm-hmm. I thought, and I, I mean, because that kind of works already because it has this kind of like, like loungy Lana Del Rey-ish kind of like alty sort of moody vibe, which kind of lends itself to becoming sort of transforming into a Ryan Adams type tune. Well, and then we talked about this a little already, but Wildest Dreams is the one where it has the most obvious pronoun changing as far as like him changing he to she, she to he, and, you know, not talking about him wearing a dress right. on the beach. Him, like, but, wearing a long, 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 flowy dress. Exactly. But, I, and I, that was actually the one where maybe I'm just, like, so, you know, used to the Taylor version that it was hard for me to get past that. But I almost wanted him to just sing it straight as if he were singing, like, from the perspective of a woman, like, uh, like you know, reading a diary entry or something as opposed to, like, it being about him. Right. And so that was the clunkiest pronoun changing for me, but the song itself sounded amazing. Yeah. Um. I thought, let's see, um, other thoughts I had. Oh, I actually, what, what I wanted to say about All You Had to Do Was Stay, when I listened to it, it, ma- it made me think of, like, 1980s Jackson Brown. Oh. Because it sounded really 80s. Yeah. Which is is interesting because this whole thing, this album was supposed to be kind of, like, 80s inspired. Right. And I didn't really hear 80s when I heard All You Had to Do Was Stay originally. Yeah, yeah. 
but in Ryan Adams version there's like some there's some there's sonic sonic that make me think of like it just made me think of Jackson Brown like 80s it made me think of specifically somebody's baby for some reason from Fast Times at Ridgemont High I don't know why love that song by the way um, I, I, I'm not like a Jackson Brown like expert but it just evoked that spirit which I thought was fun because the whole Swift the album was supposed to be kind of 80s inspired totally so um, it's like a different type of 80s a different type yeah. of 80s yeah. and it's like 80s Country rock ish, mm-hmm. not really. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the songs that stuck out to me. Were there any particular tracks that you really loved? The most surprising one for me was his version of "That's How You Get the Girl" because this is my least favorite song on Taylor's album. Mm-hmm. If I had to pick one song that like I don't want to listen to on repeat when I'm listening to 1989 over and over again, it's that song. And he turned it into this like really like moody song and it's like it made the lyrics take whole new meaning and the reason I don't like it on the Taylor um, album is because it's like real cheesy like upbeat boppy and it just doesn't fit with everything else and he turned it into this like amazing song without changing a word Hmm. you know and it's and actually I um, listened to the interview that he did with Taylor Swift um, right when the album came out on uh, Beats 1 and uh, she said that that was one of her two favorite songs on his version as well mm. that one and um and uh blank space those mm. were his her two favorites um i think it's it's i think it, it would have been interesting to hear like what the negotiations were like to actually make this album happen um, honestly like if, with any other artist i think it might have been challenging if not impossible and maybe somebody else has tried for all we know right but like with ryan adams who she's loved forever i think she probably heard like Oh, Ryan Adams wants to cover my album. Yeah, done. Yeah. Like sold. And uh, there's there's a certain amount of irony that this album. I listen I listened to this album on Spotify. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, there it, is some irony there. That, and it's available on Spotify. <laughs> However, Taylor's album called 1989 is not on Spotify. Um, I think the the sort of the moral of all this, and then we can move on. The moral of all this is that when you write a great song, and you you know it's a good song or a great song when you can sort of strip away everything and rebuild it and it still sounds cool and totally. it still sounds good and and you can you can take something like you know a, a a dancey song like Can't Get You Out of My Head by Kylie Minogue and strip it down and turn it into an acoustic ballad it's like you know it can't get you out of my head oh it would be amazing girl your love is all <laughs> I think about um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, and this album, you know, since we do talk about charts each week, this album could do well. It's not going to be like number one so far, but it'll probably be pretty amazing for Ryan Adams. Yeah, it could. It, I mean, it could be like maybe in the top ten on the Billboard 200. Right. Right. Um, I think Ryan Adams has had a top ten album before, but obviously this is a very sexy look. Yeah. Um, and certainly is kind of like a buzzworthy water cooler moment. And also, I wonder, I wonder. If 1989 by Taylor Swift is nominated for Album of the Year at the Grammy Awards, can Ryan Adams also get a nomination for, say, like, Best Rock Album for his 1989 album? Oh, my God. That would be... And then we're talking about, like, the first time that... The The same same group of songs. Songs by two different artists with the same named album. Oh, my God. Mind blown! (laughs) Mind blown! Uh, Oh, Lord. Um, (laughs) I'm just looking at the time. Um... I don't know why I'm looking at the time, because I'm timing myself, because we're freaking out. <laughs> well, um, we we have to talk about what other albums or artists could do the same thing. Oh, right. Oh, goody, 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 
Goody. Um, I know you had some good ideas. I did, actually. Well, actually, the first question was, thank you for putting me back on track, Kate. <laughs> of course. I, we're so discombobulated today, to be perfectly honest. Like, we're all still, like, in a weird zombified hangover state from iHeart because we've been, like, working all weekend. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. But if I sound like I'm crazy, that's the reason why. <laughs> um, I want to know, if Taylor Swift did this for another artist's album, who do you think... And I did not prep Katie for this. No, this is a surprising question. Sorry, I surprised you. <laughs> like, if Taylor Swift did it, like, she really respects, like, so many artists. Like, she loves, like, Jackson Brown. We talked about him. You know, or she loves James Taylor and, and you know, probably loves Joni Mitchell, this too. This is really hard for me to think about because when I think of Taylor, I think so much about, like, her singing her lyrics. Right. Like, to me, it's that's so identified the kind of artist her. that she is. Like, the value of Taylor, in my mind, is hearing her, like, diary of lyrics. Right. So you don't want to hear her doing something Kind else. of. I mean, like, I, and I think that she would like, say that kind herself. Kind of. And also, that's a way for you not <laughs> I mean, to answer like, it. she never does covers, when you think about it. Like, she'll do it on tour once in a while, but she doesn't do them on her albums. But she just, she does a cover every night when she brings a guest artist out. Definitely. But she pretty much just lets them sing their song, and she joins in a little bit. So you don't want to hear her, co- have her covering the Fifth Harmony, like, album reflection well i mean i'm not going to turn that down i would want to hear what that sounded like (laughs) i would love to hear taylor swift doing sledgehammer by fifth harmony that'd be awesome (laughs) yeah oh 100 percent. yeah um well i thought of some ideas for just a few of sort of key like landmark albums as covered by someone else so i thought maybe adele's 21 could be covered by jack white oh yep that's interesting yes jack white doing like sort of like a rock like like sort of stripped down version of rolling in the deep oh yeah like turns it into like a guitar like sort of like blues like bluesy distortion rolling Mm -hmm. in the deep a hundred percent like the sentiment of the song would still really work yep and i I co-sign this and the whole album is so emotional anyways i think it would work actually rolling in the deep is the one that he probably would have to change the least because i feel like it almost has that rock blues thing going yeah in its production true yeah Yeah. um another one i had i thought the rolling stones exile on main street Mm mm-hmm could maybe be done by, say, Aretha Franklin. Oh. Like yep. Aretha Franklin doing Tumble and Dice? I'm in. That'd be cool. Okay. All right. Two for um, two. All right. <laughs> all right. Now, Janet Jackson's Control album. Okay. You're like, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because it was like this sort of, it was a statement album about how she was an adult. Mm-hmm. And how she had, like, was no longer a teenager anymore, controlled mm-hmm. by her parents. Mm-hmm. I thought that would work with, say, an act that was also growing. Like, say, Sean Mendes. Oh, I was going to say Justin Bieber when you, like, I thought you were prompting me to get toward Bieber there. Well, I, I, for some reason, when I hear the song Control, the title track, I hear it, like, with a strummy, 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 yeah. strummy, like, and I just see, like, Sean Mendes, like, strumming to it. His, or, like, baby Ed Sheeran take on it. Oh, and I also yeah. thought, what if Ed Sheeran <laughs> yeah, did know. Janet's Control album? And he's amazing at all covers. Whenever he does, like, his kind of weird, unexpected covers, they're always incredible. And what if, say, One Direction mm-hmm. did Control? Because oh. they would do they would do a mean cover version of Let's Wait a While. Or just Zane. Or just Zane. <laughs> um, the last one I thought of was um, Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. And I thought that could be really interesting if it was done by Beyonce for some hmm. reason. Like Beyonce doing Dancing in the Dark. Beyonce yes. doing I'm on Fire. I mean, really, actually, Beyonce doing I'm on Fire would actually work. Yes. You don't even need to like, re-envision yes. it. Yes. Because it's like a slow-burning, kind of simmering, vibey song yes. anyways. Yes. 
Okay, I love all of those. Great, let's make it happen. All right, do you think my? I feel like mine are going to pale in comparison, but I'm okay. going to tell you them anyway. Okay. One is kind of a cop-out. I'm starting with my cop-out. Great. <laughs> because I already had Ryan Adams on the brain, and the one thing I thought about when they first announced that he was going to do this 1989 album is I thought about his cover of Wonderwall by Oasis, which is an incredible song if you haven't heard it before. Okay. And Noel Gallagher, who wrote Wonderwall, he actually said when he heard Ryan Adams' version that that's what he wanted the song to sound like. He oh. likes Ryan Adams' version better than Oasis's version. <laughs> Okay. He would rather hear Ryan sing it than his own brother. That, I mean, that's probably a lot to do with the personal issues between those two, Maybe. but whatever. Yeah. So that just made me think, what if Ryan redid all of What's the Story, Morning Glory? Okay. Which is, I'm obsessed with the way I like the way so, you're sticking with Ryan Adams yeah, doing other I, stuff. Yeah, I figured we're on this track, might as well just keep with it. So okay. I would love to hear the whole album done by him. Okay. And it would be amazing. That was my first one. The second one, I also kind of had Adele on the brain, but I went a little bit different direction. So... The album is uh, Robin. and oh, the one with the dancing on my own? Uh, yes. Okay. And um, the the reason I thought of this is because um, the song Be Mine, she did a ballad version of it at this Nobel Peace Prize event. Okay. Robin did. Right. And it was this really like, it just made you listen to the lyrics for the first time. Because a lot of times on dance songs, you don't pay attention to like the content of the lyrics. Right. And it's like a really like heartbreaking song, but set to this like, really fast-paced beat you like don't even pay attention to the lyrics so i was thinking at first i thought adele but then i was like that's not a big enough shift so then i thought of course the person that always is called the male adele sam smith could take robin's dance songs and like strip them all down and just sing these like heartbreaking lyrics as like the ballads that they could be right that's my wow my last idea wow those are cool well awesome good yeah um (laughs) um well, we, we talked about how this album could hit the top 10 next week. Uh, it, we know it probably won't be number one because mm. next week's number one album will probably be the new surprise Drake Future mixtape slash collabo album that dropped out of the sky on Sunday after just one day's notice. It's called What a Time to Be Alive. And what a time to be alive indeed. What a time. <laughs> what a time. Um, it's set for a huge debut on the Billboard 200 chart. According to industry forecasters, it could do over 450,000 in overall wow. units uh, through this Thursday. So that means it's really only going to have like Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, because normally most albums come out on Friday now, and this actually has a shortened week. So that's even more impressive. And of that figure, it could do like 425,000 in pure album sales. Both of those numbers will be the second biggest week of the year next to only Drake's other surprise album. (laughs) If you're reading this, it's too late, which came out in February. So that means, yes, the two biggest weeks of the year for an album will both be by Drake. Both are mixtapes. Both were surprise albums. So So that's it. That's the formula. That's the formula. The new rule is... Aspiring artists, you just need to... Have a mixtape that's a surprise album. And and be Drake. And be Drake. (laughs) That's, That's really the key. The key is to be Drake. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm just wondering, is, 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 is this accelerated release pattern from Drake with these mixtapes that are kind of like elevated to albums, like proper albums, are they a way for him to sort of burn through his contract with Cash Money Mm. and Republic? I mean, yeah, probably. Probably, but we don't really know for sure. But I mean, I'm sure no one's like complaining. 
Right, (laughs) right. I mean, because like if you're reading this, it's too late. It's done like more than a million copies. And I mean, sometimes like when artists are angry with their, you know, labels or whatever, they put out a bad album just to get through. Get out of it. Just like, here, let me just get through this and like, you know. And then once I'm out of your contract is when I'll release the good stuff. But like, he clearly is not having that issue. Right, (laughs) no. He's like, here, I'll just pump more good stuff out and we'll, you know, just keep making money together. Um, Meanwhile, on the Hot 100 chart, he actually hits the top 10 with his single Hotline Bling. Mm -hmm. It goes 16 to nine it is his 14th top 10 hit hotline bling is not on either of the albums we just talked about it is a standalone single i am rather unaware of the history of this song well there's a great sam smith cover that you can watch on billboard.com if you'd like oh sam smith and disclosure mm-hmm. yes. they did a hotline bling cover that huh. was actually when i was introduced to the song oh. so maybe that also helped it's uh Oh, rise. I bet you. it was you. a week ago so. i bet you some of the viral activity from that probably totally. helped uh move the needle a little bit um, Katie, do you know what was Drake's last top 10 single on the Hot 100? Oh, wow. Um, it's a quiz for Katie. Yeah, this is, these always go so well. Last top 10 on the Hot 100. And is it, it's not from, um, if you're reading this, it's too late. No, he didn't have any top 10s All right, from that album. All right, so, uh... Baby, we're going home. Yep. Yeah. Hold on, we're going home. Hold on, I I made up a new name, but got you, you knew the gist. That's the remix. <laughs> um, went to number four in uh, 2013, October 12th, 2013 was its uh, peak week. It's a great at, song. At number four. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of the Hot 100, The Weekend replaces himself at number one as his uh, evocative The Hills. Bumps his own Can't Feel My Face out of the top slot. It is the first time a man has replaced himself at number one since T.I. did it in 2008 with Whatever You Like and Live Your Life. Um, Both his own songs. I was going to guess that one of them was a feature. Nice work. Yeah. I I mean, there, there have been examples where an artist has done it where they were like a featured artist like Puff Daddy did it when he was a featured artist. Okay. But he also did it when he was like a lead artist. Um, in total, there have been 11 acts that have succeeded themselves at number one. Um, I will quickly tell you who the rest of them are. I would love that. I'm sure you're dying to know. Um, Taylor Swift did it, actually, just last year with uh, Blank Space, which followed Shake It Off. Mm -hmm. And then, so aside from Swift and The Weeknd, we also have The Beatles, which actually had three in a row. Oh, wow. Like, they replaced themselves to replace themselves <laughs> with I Want to Hold Your Hand, She Loves You, and Can't Buy Me Love back in 1964. Those are all pretty good songs. Yeah. They're decent. <laughs> They're okay. All right. And then it didn't happen again until 1994 when Boys to Men, and I think, I want to say it was I'll Make Love to You and then On Bended Knee. Yeah, or oh, I remember that. It might have been On Bended Knee and then Water Runs Dry. Those were good times. You know, the, the era <laughs> of, like, the R&B slow jam ballad Girl, <laughs> you know I done I screwed the, up. The spoken interludes were my favorite. <laughs> Every voice to men song was like, "Please come back home, girl." <laughs> you know I really screwed up, and you know I'm just sitting at home right now, and I just can't, I just can't deal with it. I just wish you'd call me, come back home, girl, please, please, girl. Remember to follow Keith on Twitter if you need one of these on your album. <laughs> If you'd like, interlude. if you'd like me to fe- be the featured artist on your song, <laughs> I'm available. Um, Puff Daddy, uh, back in 1997, who we just saw at the iHeartRadio, who I interviewed at iHeart, actually, yep. yeah. Uh, ja Rule, Nelly, mm-hmm. Outcast, Usher, uh, Ti, mm-hmm. and then uh, the Black Eyed Peas. Okay. In 2009, so uh, yeah, there you go. 
Um, elite company. Elite company. Can you name the only uh, other song with the word hills to reach the top 10 on the Hot 100? Uh, the Sound of Music, The Hills Are Alive. Nope. <laughs> That's not even the name of the song. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a band that you actually like. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, well, then I need to I think. really think on this. Hills. hills. Oh, There's another word in, in the title. It's not just hills. Uh... And it's the second word. Oh, is it Weezer? Beverly Hills? Yes. Yeah, it is a band I love, actually. Congratulations. Very yeah. nice. Yeah, Beverly Hills by Weezer went to number 10 in 2005. That is the only other song with the word hills in the title wow. to reach the top 10. We've had a song. There was another song with hill in the title, which you'll never get. So I'll just tell you. It was the theme to Hill Street Blues. Oh, wow. I would. Exactly. <laughs> dun, dun, was it dun. Lauren Hill's self-titled song, Lauren Hill? No, I'm just joking. That's I wouldn't put that past Lauren Hill to do a, like a self-titled song. Um, let's see. Let's see. God, we ran through all that stuff so quickly. Did we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> we did. We did. <laughs> um, you know what we're going to do now is we're going to actually talk about our iHeart uh, memories. Uh, this is not on Katie's script um, because... Katie's oh, like, no. it what, is, it's not. What will I do? Oh, my God. How do we talk about <laughs> do it? Do I just have to, like, actually recall memories of, you know, two days ago? Um, yes, basically. <laughs> um, so Katie and I were at uh, the iHeart uh, Radio Music Festival, which was this past weekend. It was on Friday and Saturday. Um, we rolled in on Thursday night, and we left in the wee hours of Sunday. Um, I have to say it was pretty darn exciting. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I did... I was the person that did the. Um, if you watch any of the video interviews on Billboard.com, you'll hear video, Keith's voice occasionally. Yes, it's mostly cut so you don't hear my voice <laughs> um, on purpose because that's the style of the videos. Um, sometimes you hear my voice pop in. I did hear your voice in the Fallout Boy interview when they were referring to themselves as being adult-ish. Adult-ish, <laughs> yes, which I liked. Um, if you watch the Matt Bomer, um, I always pronounce his last name wrong. Bomer. I think that's right. I think I'm the one that pronounces it wrong. I always say Matt Bomer. I excitedly <laughs> talked to Matt Bomer. Bomer. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. Uh, um, uh, who, of course, is a noted singer for his uh, vocal abilities in the film Magic Mike Two. Oh yes. Or Magic Mike XXL. He covers Brian at not to be confused with Brian Adams. Brian Adams. Brian Adams Heaven, and it is heavenly. Yes, and D'Angelo's. How does it feel? Yeah. I believe in yeah. the uh, the big final scene. Yes, yes. Not that we've seen this movie. <laughs> so have. I've heard. We have. <laughs> um, but uh, I, uh, so I was doing the video interviews, and, and Katie was next door in the press room, uh, talking to to talent as they came through and spoke to the media in there. Um, and also, Katie helmed most of the uh, stories that you saw on Billboard.com through the weekend. Um, and we got to see a little bit of the show. Yeah, I actually, I tried yesterday, or day two, I should say, Saturday. I tried to really get into the show more because it's really hard to cover something just seeing it on like a live feed. So right. I was really trying to be in there. Yeah. And the level of like superstar talent at this thing was kind of insane. Yeah. Um, many of which Keith then spoke to one-on-one. Was, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, I talked to J-Lo. I mean, yeah, J-Lo. Like, <laughs> I, came back to our little studio. I know. It Amazing. Was, it was ridiculous. Like, I talked to, God, I, I counted up how many interviews I did. And they're not actually all up on Billboard.com because we, we just couldn't, for some reason, we don't have the we didn't have the bandwidth. There were just to... too many good videos. So all all this content <laughs> will show up somewhere. Um, it's it, always in our hearts. <laughs> I, 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 I did like I think it was forty one interviews. Um, That's correct. Yeah, and like 
30-something of them <laughs> exist in a video form on Billboard.com and on YouTube. Um, 41 interviews over two days is completely insane. Yeah. And um, among those were, um, as we said, Jennifer Lopez, uh, Fall Out Boy, which we mentioned, uh, uh, talked to uh, Demi Lovato, or Demi Lovato. I always get her name wrong. I, she should I think m- you're right the first time. Demi Lovato. Demi. Mm-hmm. She should marry Matt Bomer. Um, <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Demi, 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 Bomer, Bomer, Boomer. God. That's probably not going to happen. Matt's husband and his two children. <laughs> I not care for that. Yeah. Wilmer Valderrama. Wow. Wilmer Valderrama might not care for that either. Um, I think Matt has two children. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, who else did we talk to? We talked to... Um, Jason Derulo. Jason Derulo. Trey Songs. Trey Songs. Big Sean. Uh, Puff Daddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many. So many. Really, so many. Um, oh, Ryan Seacrest, mm-hmm. uh, who uh, I said um, we were talking. He was the out of all the people I talked to, because I was telling my coworker Gary Trust about this. I was telling him, I said, you know, out of all the people I talked to, I only got sort of like kerfluffled like one and a half times. <laughs> and I, when I say kerfluffled, I mean like you know, oh, a little bit nervous, mm-hmm. because uh, generally I don't like it. Doesn't like I'm I'm not really phased mm-hmm. by doing these interviews. In in the sense where I don't get like nervous, you don't fanboy out over yeah, these people. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I you're still, just professional about I'm it. I'm still very th- obviously we're thrilled to speak to yes. all of these these acts, um, and it is a wonderful honor to speak to them. But at the same time, like you know, I'm doing a job, and mm-hmm. I want to make sure that I keep them comfortable, mm-hmm. and I'm not weird and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, <laughs> and previously, like when I talked to Kylie Minogue for the first time, I got a little kerfuffled. Yeah. Um, and when I talked to Madonna for the first oh, time, that was a little kerfuffly. <laughs> I didn't come across, like, in the interview so much. Um, and this one, with J-Lo, just because she's such, like, a like diva in, like, you know, like, like lit up letters with stars around it. That is an A-list superstar talent. Yeah. Actress, a, singer, just dancer, a, a, everything. A, a true triple threat. Yes. Um, that was kind of a kerfluffly moment. But you can't <laughs> tell from the interview. It's fine. That's good. Like, That's good. But inside, I was just like, you, you had that moment where you're like, I'm talking to J-Lo. But who really got you, Keith? Who really got me? Duran Duran, actually. <laughs> who is actually uh, our podcast guest this yes. week. Yes. Um, we did a, a – God, I love that transition, Katie. You were so good. <laughs> um, I we, we talked to Duran Duran for a, a, a video interview backstage at iHeart um, because, you know, they're, they're doing the rounds of promo because their new album, Paper Gods, came out a week and a half ago, and it just debuted in the top 10 on the Billboard 200 yes. chart. It's their highest charting album in 22 years, their first top 10 album since 1993, believe it or not. Um, so we got to speak with the band at iHeart. Um, you can watch our video interview with them on Billboard.com or on our YouTube channel, of course. After our interview, we played our famed fishbowl game, not quite sure how famed it is, um, where the band took turns picking questions out of a bowl and answered them. These were questions that I wrote and I came up with, some of which are tailored, see, get it, wink, uh, wink, tailored, pun, pun um, to the band themselves. Now, we had planned to do this game for five minutes. It didn't actually quite run for five minutes because we had to kind of move it along a little bit. But at the end of it, you'll you'll hear when I say, oh, we kind of have to wrap up. And then all the band is like, no. And they all start grabbing questions and start answering them. Yes. Um, so they really. I, and could, they're in charge. So they're, in, they're, they- <laughs> they're ultimately in charge of their own time. Um, so um, anyway, 
here is our fun fishbowl game with uh, Duran Duran at the iHeart uh, Radio Music Festival. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's time to take the pressure off. Everybody, everywhere, step out into the future. It's time to take the pressure off. Welcome, Duran Duran, to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. We are here with not just one member of Duran Duran, but all four members of Duran Duran. Nick Rhodes, Simon LeBond, Roger Taylor, John Taylor. We are going to play a game. Uh-oh. It is the famous, the, game. the famous, I know, I like games are fun. It's the famous 15 questions in a fishbowl. It's not quite patented, but we're working on it. Each member will take a piece of paper, read it out loud, and answer the question. First up, it's Roger Taylor. Mm, that's an interesting one. Do you have a favorite vacation spot? They don't have to be very long answers. They can be short answers. Got to be short answers? Well, we have five minutes or less. I think mine is a staycation, I think. I spend so much time traveling that I love to be at home. Next up, Nick. Well, let's have a look what we got. Dun, dun, dun. These are customized to you. Have you spoke to Grace Jones lately? I presume that means have you spoken to Grace Jones That's lately. my terrible grammar, and I allegedly majored in journalism. Well, I, yeah, well, I missed that little end there, but um, have I spoken to Grace now. Jones? I think the last time I spoke to Grace was probably about six months ago. And she was as charming and delightfully bizarre as always. She's here at Hyde Park, by the way, when she played the Kylie. Next up, Simon. It was wonderful. Okay, okay. My question is, describe your life right now in three words. Your life. My whole life. Well, just right now. How's it going right now in three, three words? words? Music. Excitement. Experimentation. John? And see, the thing is, we go for five minutes until we're done yeah, with we, questions we, 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 or the five minutes have happened. Where do you keep your Grammy Awards? You have two. Yeah, I do. They're on my library. They're in my library. Next. By my desk. Let's see, we're quick. Oh, another one. Another one. We're moving oh, we're on. Moving we on. We're moving on. We're moving on. Five minutes. Okay, five minutes to save the universe. Five minutes. What famous historical figure would you like to meet? That are, well, obviously historical. They could be dead. Yeah. Duh. Um, maybe Elvis Presley, I think. Because he was so important, wasn't he, on, in music? Um, if you were not in the band or playing music, what could you see yourself doing? Uh, what would I like to see myself yeah. doing, maybe is the question. Uh, directing a movie. All right. That's nice. Simon? gardening this time then, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> What's your current favorite song that isn't your own? I'm a big fan of Tame Impala's song, Because I'm a Man. John? Who do you admire? Mm. Me, 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 me. Simon, obviously. <laughs> me, me. Well, me, me. yes, I do admire all these guys, actually. I do. I think... I think we've run out of time. We might have hit the five-minute mark, but you know the. What if we hadn't run out of time? Well, you can keep going. Hey, no, no, no. Why should you never eat or drink before performing a show? You should never eat an entire pig before you before you. What do you consider is the most surprising hit song of your career? Mm. No, none of them have been surprising. They've all been <laughs> huge, huge uh, What was the first album you, bu- you bought? The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Wonderful. What was the last concert you saw? You two. You too. Jimmy Fallon was there too. No. Yes, he was. Okay. How many instruments? How many instruments? How many instruments can you play? And what are they? I can play. Sorry. 
I can play. I can play guitar. I can no play. I can play piano. I can play ocarina. I can play violin. I can play none of them very well. I can play tons of instruments. Okay, thank you, you guys. Thank you so much, Duran Duran, for playing our little fishbowl Q and A game. Um, but you know what? We're not actually done with the band yet. We're not. We're not. <laughs> oh my God. Um, if you watched our video interview with them, and I hope you did, they talked about uh, working on their new album and also going on tour with Sheik and Nile Rogers. There was a little bit more of our interview that didn't make it into the video that I'd like to play for you guys. Um, I also asked the band if they had any thoughts about Sam Smith joining them in the James Bond theme songs club, as Smith, of course, is recording the theme song to the new Spectre movie, and Duran Duran did the title song to A View to a Kill. Um, the band's John Taylor talked about um, how, you know, you kind of have to go on this massive ride uh, when you're part of the Bond family. And then um, Nick Rhodes uh, talked a little bit about how, um, well, I'll let you I'll let you hear it. So here's John Taylor and Nick Rhodes of Duran Duran talking a little bit about Bond and the world of Bond and Sam Smith and his new single. They're great people to work with. I mean Barbara Broccoli, they're they're a great team. You just you just take the ride. You know, the James Bond brand is massive and you just you just you just enjoy yeah. it. Yeah. It takes you to parts of the world you never would go. I think we we went to the, the premiere was in San Francisco. It was <laughs> not that we would never go to San Francisco, but I remember we were in City Hall, weren't we, for that? I, I'm very much looking forward to hearing his song, actually. Mm, yeah. uh, oh. the, the last one, the Adele one, was back up to a, yeah, really a good, good standard. And now one more moment with Duran Duran because I just can't let them go. Um, we. I talked to them about how it was working with Nile Rogers on the new album. I love Nile Rogers. He's awesome. I've got to interview him a couple times now, and he's iconic. And he's on the new album, and he produced a couple songs on the new album, including the current single, Pressure Off, which features Janelle Monae and Nile Rogers. Which we got to see James Corden do, lead a conga line through, through the, the arena yeah. for that song, and it was incredible. Um, yeah, and during their iHeart set, they played, Duran Duran played Notorious, which was a song that was produced by Nile Rogers, and they dedicated Notorious to Nile that day at the show because that was his birthday. So, actually, here's Duran Duran, Simon LeBond, and his thoughts on working with Nile Rogers. Um, when Niall comes into the studio, he leads by example. He picks up his guitar, um, starts playing, and that everybody just wants to join in with him because he's got, he, he creates such a, a feeling of relaxed, funky energy that it pulls people into it. And you get, and you know, the first person to jump in was John, then, then Mark jumped in, and, and Roger started playing drums. Um, and, he, and, and, his, and that kind of enthusiasm and joy that he has in making music is very infectious and, it, and, it, and it's very inspiring too. So you, start, you come up with ideas pretty quickly when there's someone like that around. Thanks again to Duran Duran for stopping by the podcast and congratulations on the success of the new album. 
I'm really looking forward to seeing them at the Hollywood Bowl here in a few weeks. Uh, I think it's October 1st. I think it's a Thursday. They're playing with Chic and Clean Bandit. That's going to be amazing. Yes. And it's the first time that they're going to play like a full concert at the Hollywood Bowl. So I'm super stoked. Yeah. Chic. And if you haven't seen Chic live, they're amazing. Um, it's, it's almost time to go, unfortunately. Oh, no. I know. But... Before but isn't do- there one last big thing that you need to do? What's that last big thing, Katie? Um, maybe Keith's chart stat of the week. Um, so my chart stat of the week this week is actually a quiz with Katie. Oh God, I love doing this. I forgot to look ahead on the script on this one. It's it's it's, it's uh, the question is, and it's this is normally the chart stat of the week is about you know. In this week in history, we did this. <laughs> or so-and-so got their first number one. Yeah, nah, I'm not going to do that this week. I'm going to do something where I'm just asking Katie, do you know oh, no. <laughs> who has the most top 10 singles on the Billboard Hot 100 Ooh. chart? Now, you may be able to guess. I, I was going to ask her one follow-up question, whether it was a, like an older like classic artist or somebody who is still working today. It's someone who's still working today. But also a classic artist? But also a classic artist. Mariah Carey? Uh, no. Oh. Mariah has 27 top 10 hits. Whoa. So we're which, going higher than that. Higher than that. I'll tell you this person has 38 top oh 10 hits. Oh my lord. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Um, It's not Janet. No, Janet actually has 27 top 10 hits Oh, she as well. also has 27. You know who else has 27? Ooh. Elton John. Oh. Yeah. That would have been a good guess for three, me to make. Three, three divas together. Okay, last one. Last question. Is it a, a band or an individual? It's an individual. Oh, it's an individual. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. 38. That's so many. I got, I have nothing. You have all the time in the world. Well, but like, my mind is going like Michael Jackson and Elvis, which clearly you just told me this is a person who's working today. Michael Jackson is 29. He has the third most. Oh, man. Now, I want to say there is a, an asterisk, asterisk, (laughs) asterisk, asterisk. I got you. (laughs) Asterisk, Matt Bomer, Demi Lovato. I screwed up every week. Um, uh, the asterisk. Is the Hot 100 started in August of 1958. Mm-hmm. Many of Elvis Presley's big hit singles came before okay. August of 1958. Okay. That is always like a big caveat mm-hmm. when we talk about the Hot 100 because if the Hot 100 had started like three years earlier, Elvis would have I, perhaps the most, but no. Okay, I just thought of a really obvious one. Madonna? Madonna! Yay! Yeah! Took me a, took me a while. But I should you, have considered who was asking me this question. I know. If Jason <laughs> were here, he would, this, this game would the have been The first thing with. would have just been like, Madonna. Madonna, we're moving on, Keith. <laughs> was it Madonna? Can you, can you guess how many top 10 hits she's had? Well, you already told me. Oh, 38. 38. <laughs> so yes, I can. I could have sounded really smart if I just said that. Was it 38? You're in, fact, in fact, I don't even have to guess, Keith. Um, so yeah, Madonna has the most top 10 hits with 38. Her last top 10 hit, or her most recent top 10 hit, was uh, Give Me All Your Lovin' with uh, mm-hmm. Nicki Minaj and M.I.A. Um, her first top 10 hit was, I believe, Borderline. Okay. And then guess Lucky Star. Then Lucky Star. Okay. And then her first number one was like a virgin. Holiday. Oh, like a virgin. Holiday, oh, was, holiday. Her, holiday was her first chart hit. It went to number 16. Uh, okay. Okay. Um, first one on the charts. 
Yeah, I should, it was either Borderline or Lucky Star. I'm a bad Madonna fan that I don't <laughs> actually know this. Oh, boy. Um, the second most top 10 hits was The Beatles with 34. Okay. Um, and then Michael Jackson is 29. He has the third most. Then after that, Stevie Wonder with 28. And then the three divas that we talked about, Elton, Janet, and Mariah with 27. And then coming up close is Rihanna with 26 top 10s. Really? Um, and Rihanna also has, I think, I want to say like 13 number ones wow. or something ridiculous, which is, it's sort of nuts what Rihanna has achieved. But yes. This is this her I, whole album a year thing really uh, served her well. Yeah, well, I mean, she also had some top ten hits earlier this year with um, uh, four or five seconds. Wasn't that top ten? Yeah. Well, you know, I believe we've come to the end of this podcast. Oh man. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I believe I don't really have a good way to go out this week. <laughs> um, you know, we'll be back next week. Jason will be here. I was gonna say I might I might not be back next week. Katie's a very busy lady. Um, right now, nothing is being posted on Billboard.com. Yeah, no, if anything, uh, if there are mistakes on Billboard.com right now, it's because I'm not working it's, currently. It's because the it's because the hamsters that that are working the laptop computers in the other room, <laughs> we're kidding, um, are spelling Demi Lovato and Matt Bomer wrong, <laughs> and putting asterisks on everything. Um, um, Katie, do you have any parting words? I don't, other than thank you for, you know, allowing me to fill in the last few weeks. It's been really fun. Um, did you want to pick a song for us to go out on? As our, Oh, as my our... goodness. Well, can I pick a Ryan Adams Taylor Swift cover to go out on? Um, sure. That <laughs> was such a hesitation. Well, just be- I'm just like, we will play a few of them earlier in the show, but why can't we? But you we know ha- what? One we didn't mention was oh. the first single, the one that they released before the album, and that was his cover of Bad Blood. So maybe that would be a lovely song to go out on. Let's go out on Ryan Adams' cover of Taylor Swift's Bad Blood. And thanks for listening, everyone. Bye. And baby, now we got You know we used to be Take a look at what